As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome back, Prospects to Pros on the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm Dane Brugler, uh, joined as always by Lance Zerline. Fun show today. First, quarterback guru Quincy Avery joins us for a conversation on quarterback prospects. And Lance and I are going to discuss the, the prospects in this class that have given us the most trouble in terms of projecting them to the next level. And you know, we're going to have some conversations that hopefully will maybe feel better about them after the time we're done. Okay, I'm really excited for our guest today. Uh, he, he's a quarterback coach, uh, trainer, teacher, works with a lot of current NFL quarterbacks like Deshaun Watson, uh, Jalen Hurts. He's working with a few quarterback prospects in this year's class. Uh, Quincy Avery, really excited to talk with you today. Let, let's just jump in. First question for me. One of the quarterbacks you're working with is, is Trey Lance, uh, who you know had the opportunity to play in only one game last fall due to the pandemic. But the glass half full perspective is he's had the chance to get a head start on his training and working with you. So what has it been like working with Trey Lance? It's been a unique experience, of course, different than any other year. We've been really going at it since the middle of October. So we've had the opportunity to make like real technical adjustments that I think that are going to stick throughout his NFL career. But in terms of working with him, the person and, and, and how hard he works, it really jumps out at you. I've, I've done this for a long time, and I've never worked with somebody in the pre-draft process who came in and was already so meticulous in the way that they worked, um, their level of understanding on what they had to do in order to be a successful quarterback. So all those things really excite me, excite me about Trey Lance and his future and exactly who he can be as an NFL quarterback. When focusing on that, I want to stay on that for a second. I spoke with his uh, his quarterback coach who talked about what the process was like for Trey every single week and what it's like for every North Dakota State quarterback. It's pretty unique in that they're having players, you know, in, in an era where so many quarterbacks 
are getting everything from the sideline. He's got to set his own protections. Um, they ask him really to be a full field reader. It's a very mature approach. And so he is going to do really well on the whiteboards. I'm sure, you know, you obviously know that. Um, talk about how his, you know, even though he's got one year, what about the mental maturity that he has in terms of understanding the game of football and some of the nuances that go at the quarterback position on the next level? Yeah, like you just said, um, they, they go into every play, and Trey calls his own protection every play, makes his own mic points. He can change it from a five to a six-man to a seven-man protection. These are all high-level NFL things that he's doing each and every play. And and not only that, but when we start talking about concepts, they oftentimes only give Trey a portion of the concept and have him figure out the, the rest of it. So they give him half the field, uh, freedom with the protection. So he's doing – a lot of the offensive coordinator duties on his own. And just those reps are going to put him so far ahead of everybody else in the class. Trey's also somebody who runs his own passing game meetings Friday nights before the games, right? You'll never hear of another college quarterback running their own meetings, making sure everybody's up to speed on the details, play in and play out, going over every single one of their 280 plays that they go into a game with. Like he does all those things and it's putting him so far ahead of anybody else uh, really that I've ever encountered. Well, and I'm interested, you know, Quincy, from your perspective, how do you advance these young players mentally? You know, there's obviously things you can do in the practice field uh, in terms of technique work and, you know, timing, things like that. But, you know, we know this is the quarterback position is an intangible position. It's a mental position. How do you help groom these guys from a mental perspective to handle uh, what the NFL is going to throw at them? Yeah, so there's two components of the mental aspect. There's there's a mental like being ready for the X's and O's, what are defenses going to throw at you. And we do that. Trey came in really prepared for that. Uh, but we're doing that through watching film, looking at NFL tape, seeing what guys are doing to other rookie quarterbacks who are going to be in situations similar to the one they're going to be going into next year. Like, this is what teams are going to try and throw at you. This is how they're going to try and defeat you. Um, Let's be ready when we get there. And then on the other thing, other end of the spectrum, it's like dealing with adversity. That mental part is is a little bit harder to really tap into. But all we can do throughout our training experience is continue to throw little wrenches at them, right? We want to make it as difficult as possible. I try and throw them off schedule. I try and get them frustrated. So they have to deal with all those little things. And then as we get to – um, the NFL season. They're just more prepared for the, the chaos that comes with it each and every week. Quincy, how have things changed for you? Um, last year as a trainer, you were, um, you know, you were in the midst of doing all this training. We know it was sometime around mid-March when everything shut down. Uh, what about this year for you? This is the first full COVID season football-wise, and that includes from a preparation standpoint. How are things different for you from a, from a training standpoint and a preparation standpoint with these young quarterbacks? Um, I mean, this year, you know, it's so different just because of the lack of games that these guys got to play. So we're not necessarily watching a bunch of current film on what they look like based on the training that they put in this last offseason. Um, it's it's more going to dig in a lot deeper in terms of things they need to improve on. And then talking about what they did to get better at those things and then trying to advance our game a little bit more. But it's been difficult in terms of really trying to get them live experience, um, like just some like half line, half seven on seven stuff. Those are the little things that we try to add in just because of the difficulty in, in, in the lack of reps. Going back to, to Trey Lance, he, he's only 20 years old. 
only 17 career starts, none versus FBS competition. You know, I think this day and age, it's almost unrealistic to expect organizations to draft and then allow a quarterback to sit. But do you think that Trey is ready for NFL snaps as a rookie? Or, or do you think the, the best avenue for long-term success uh, for him is maybe do what the Chiefs did and, you know, almost give a red shirt uh, to, you know, Patrick Mahomes? Uh, do, you, do you think Trey would, because of his limited experience at the college level, do you think that he would be better off doing, you know, taking some type of red shirt year as a rookie? I mean, 17 starts is still a good bit of starts. I mean, the other guys in this class haven't had many more than that. I mean, he's got far more than Mac Jones. I, I, I actually think that everybody could serve some benefit by not playing immediately as in their rookie season. So I, I don't think that's independent to Trey. I think every one of these guys um, would see some real gain by not having to be thrown in there um, week one of the season and just dealing with all the other things in terms of the way people are talking about you, the social media, because like it or not, those kind of stresses build on guys. So I would love for every guy to get that chance to uh, not play week one early in the season. But if there's any guy who's actually ready to go into an NFL season and prepared to do it as a rookie, I think Trey is more ready than anybody else in this class. He's a guy with good size, good athleticism. Watching him on tape, I mean, you see what, what the potential is. I thought the one thing that I saw, Quincy, is that he left some plays on the field. Like you can see guys break open. You could almost sense, and I saw this with Marcus Mariota when he was coming out, there's almost a hesitation. It's like he sees it, and it's not a shock because he also doesn't throw many interceptions. So he's careful with the ball. How do you get past that careful with the ball and just get a little more gunslinger, just push a little bit more aggressiveness out there for the quarterback? First of all, did you see that? And secondly, how can you make a quarterback maybe a little more aggressive, a little more of a chance taker? Yeah, I think that that's something that, that you'll see if you really dig into the tape. But I think we have to also have to understand like where he was at and the way in which he was coached. He was at a team that was really successful in being very conservative, running the football, taking care of, taking care of the ball. So those were the things that were preached to him day in, day out. Trey's one of the most coachable guys that you'll ever come across. So if if that's the messaging that your coach has, is not necessarily a super aggressive mentality, but let's make sure we're taking care of the ball, we're not taking many risks, um, then I think that's the byproduct of that. But I, I'm the same way. I want my quarterback to be aggressive, throw some interceptions. Interceptions will happen if you're aggressive enough, right? So I'm every interception isn't a bad interception. I think – as Trey talks to more and more guys and then he gets with a coach who's going to have that aggressive mentality, then he'll take that over, right? He's going to take on the shape that his coach wants him to have. So I, I think that it's going to be important that he gets with a coach that makes sure they give him that aggressive mentality. If he has that, he'll, he will play in that way. What area do you think is the most important for uh, Trey to become a productive NFL quarterback. You know what, what's the one area he needs to work on the most between now and you know the first few years in the league, and just in terms of becoming uh, you know that high level starter that you know the the potential and the skill say that he can be. You know, if Trey played the way that we were talking about in terms of being like very conservative um, and and being smart, safe with the ball he's going to be like a top 15 quarterback, right? That's just what's going to happen. He could go in and play like a Kirk Cousins, but then be the dynamic athlete that he is um, if he wants to be safe with the ball and if that's what they're preaching to him. But if he goes into a system and they're like, hey, be super aggressive, 
make the throws when you see it, and he go, takes on that that uh, mindset, he'll he'll be a top five quarterback in the NFL. And I think in the next three or four years, like he he has the physical gifts to do those things because um, he he's so talented. Can you be super aggressive? And here's what I mean. I think there are obviously schemes that allow you to be more explosive as a passer. I always wonder about chance-taking. I always feel like chance-taking, Quincy, is one of those things where uh, that's a personality trait. And, you know, sometimes you have you have a conservative personality trait. You have a more aggressive one. I always call it the blackjack. Uh, you know, I always call it the blackjack litmus test. There are those of us like me who would, who would if, we, if we were at a casino, would, if we got hot at a table, I'd shuffle some of the chips into my pocket. And there are the other ones who would push it in, you know, and they try to hit it big because you got to bet big to win big. Is that something that you can coach up that aggressiveness or is that a personality trait? I think it's a bit of both. Like there's, there's a bit of the personality that's like, I'm, you know, I I love that analogy. That's going to take a couple of chips back and make sure they don't lose it. Um, And and that's cool. But I I think that if it's preached to you over and over again, you, you just take a a level of understanding. Like I need to be a little bit more aggressive, but um, I, I don't think he's ever heard that before. Right. If you've never heard it, why would you change any of those things? And I think if you look at, um, some of his high school tape, you'll see he used to be a lot more aggressive with the football. So it's not it's not something that can't change for Trey Lance. Quincy, you did a little bit of work in the past with Justin Fields as well. Uh, what were your impressions of the Ohio State passer? Um, he, he's he's also someone who's who's really physically gifted. Um, I, I'm I'm confused kind of as we see some of these draft reports come out, like his inability to get through some reads and things like that. But if you really look at the data. He was more accurate on getting through some of those reads than you would see someone like like Mac Jones. Like the stats bear that out. Um, so I, I think that he's got a, a ton of potential. I think that they do a lot of things in that Ohio State offense that causes you to stay on the number one read in your progression a little bit longer, just to due to their ability to um, break one way or the other on option type routes. So staying on staying on Justin for a second, he's he's a a big player with the ability to uh, extend plays. We know that. I think he's a. I think he's a solid athlete. He's not like Trey, for example, at least in my opinion. But he is a, a play extender through a lot of power. Like I don't. You don't see many guys with that kind of force in his lower half to be able to pull through sacks and, and keep the plays extended. Talk for a second about play extension. You and I have talked about quarterbacks nowadays and and I'm not going to go into specific quarterbacks who aren't good at this but mm-hmm. there is a there is a question well I'll throw one out there uh, um Kyle Trask I mean there I had one last year with um who is it from Washington Dane the uh, the big quarterback Jacob Eason to, yeah Jacob Eason there are certain quarterbacks who I don't care how good your arm talent is you better be really quick with your mind to beat pressure because if you're not and you can't do it with your feet, I just don't know that you can even play in the NFL um, anymore. Can you talk for a second about play extension and, and how important that is in today's NFL? Yeah, pl- play extension, especially at a, a young age when you haven't seen the defenses that you're going to get at the NFL level, like they don't have anything to draw back on to really beat a defense with their mind, right? So you have to be able to extend plays, be able to make a defender miss, to create time for your guys to get open because you're not going to be at the point in your career where you can see it, dissect it, always being able to throw in the pressure so that you can get big plays when they do bring the pressure. Um, I, I think the day and age of quarterbacks who are not mobile, 
being successful in the NFL, uh, those days are done. And it's not necessarily because they can't play the position, but we're not patient enough to go through those growing pains with a quarterback who can't get us a first down when nothing's open or when they got tricked by the defense for them to stay in the position, for them to see enough reps, for them to eventually become successful. There'll never be another Tom Brady, right? There's not going to be another Phillip Rivers. Those guys just won't exist anymore. Well, just just quickly, your guy, Deshaun Watson, is a great example of somebody who used his feet to make up for his inexperience. And then as he got further along in his career, recognized more blitz packages, got the experience, he then began began to really transform into being able to win from the pocket a little bit more. I mean, that's an ex- that's a classic example of your athletic ability being able to help help you play at a little higher level, despite the fact that you don't really know what defenses are trying to do to you. Yeah, I'm going to be honest. If Deshaun couldn't extend plays year one and year two, I, I don't think that we would look at him the same way, right? It's not like he wasn't a gifted passer, but there'd be times where he'd get a little trick and a little confused and, and he wouldn't know exactly what was going on. But then he'd do some Superman stuff where he broke the pocket, threw the ball downfield. Those plays should have been sacks, right? They just should have been. He was wrong. He didn't see it. The defense won, right? The defensive coordinator, when that happens, uh, in their column, they won, right? They got a free rusher to the quarterback and he didn't see it. Um, but he was so gifted that he, he made those things happen. And, and you've got to have a little bit of that um, in this day and age to really make it. Well, Quincy, before we let you go, I did want to hit on uh, the other quarterback you're working with, uh, Jamie Newman, who is a little bit of a tough eval. You know, he had such a productive junior year at Wake Forest, then he transfers to Georgia, but doesn't actually suit up, opts out. What has it been like working with uh, Jamie and what have you been working on with him? Yeah, Jamie's so fun to work with because, like those other guys, he's he's a phenomenal runner of the football, phenomenal at extending plays. Um, so those things lend well to what we're talking about in terms of the NFL. But he he's got a lot of horsepower, right? He he's been able to um, really start generating a lot of energy on the football throughout this um, course of our training. We've had a long time, so we've tweaked some things. We're able to create more ground force. That's just the ability to push. He's putting the ground to generate more force in the football. So it, to, to see him be able to drive the ball down the field so much better than he was previously able to do. And then I think everybody knows he's a really, really accurate passer. So we've been able to put those things together. And I think that the guy that an NFL team gets when they draft him, I think it's going to be a guy who can play in the NFL for a very long time. Um, I think after those first five big names come off the board, I think Jamie should should be the next guy, right? He he should be in that conversation because he's going to have a really long NFL career. That's Quincy Avery. You can follow him on Twitter at Quincy underscore Avery. And the website is QB Takeover, working with high school kids, uh, college, pro, just pretty much anybody who throws a football. Quincy's there to help work with you. Quincy, and also, by the way, one of the more honest guys, which is one of the reasons I like talking to him about the draft, because you get a real true perspective of players' strengths and weaknesses, which is we get gassed up a lot at this time of the year when we talk to different agents and trainers, and that's not what Quincy does. He sees the field, and 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 I definitely appreciate that honesty. Listen, you better get back to work. You got some guys you're trying to get drafted, so we appreciate you taking time, Quincy. Appreciate you guys having me on. All right, thanks a lot. For sure. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? 
Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Okay, Lance, uh, so this is an interesting topic that I, I wanted to talk about with you. Uh, you know, you and I are both writing tons of reports, hundreds and hundreds of these scouting reports on these players. Uh, I think we have a good feel for most of these guys, but of course, there's also a number of players that for whatever reason, for different reasons, just are are tougher to figure out. And not necessarily, you know, what the tape says. Like we can understand the traits, the skills, what they're what they're good at, what they need to improve upon. But in terms of projecting them forward um, and understanding what kind of pro they're going to be, that's where there's there's some difficulties with a few of these players. Um and I just want to talk about a few of those guys with you, you know, who the guys that have given you trouble, and maybe as we as we talk it out together, maybe uh, we'll both be be, uh, be better for it. So for me, let me just start with two guys. This wide receiver class is just is loaded, uh, and it's hard to kind of stack them. And where I run into some trouble is with these Auburn receivers, both of them. Seth Williams uh, is a big physical. Not a plotter. Uh, he, he's not a a slow guy. Uh, he's a good athlete, but he's not a guy that's going to generate that suddenness to easily separate whenever he wants. Uh, and, and that's where that, that's where it becomes a little bit of a difficult evaluation. Is he, you know, just like uh, you know your Nikhil Harrys or your you know the guys that just don't generate enough separation, and that that really is going to cause them to be uh, not as productive at the NFL level. And so, where do you draft a player like this who is a, he's a ball winner, no question. That's what he does best. You know, watch the the Kelvin Joseph touchdown against Kentucky. I mean, that, that's where he shines. But where do you draft a player like this? And then on the flip side, Anthony Schwartz. This dude can absolutely fly. I mean, he might be one of the fastest humans in the country. He is a a real marvel when it just comes to sprinting in a straight line. But I was pretty disappointed in the in the amount of or the lack of big plays uh, on his tape. Uh, you know, if just there's too much all or nothing with him. You know, when you look at his uh, career catches, only nine point four percent of his one hundred seventeen catches. Uh, resulted in a play of 25 plus yards. Uh, that's just, that's not good enough for a guy that has that type of speed. And so it's easy to get, you know, fall in love with the the 4-2, the 4-3 that he's going to put out there. But in terms of 
you know, football production and the impact that he's going to make. Uh, how is that going to translate and where do you draft a player like that? So before we get to some of your guys, uh, give me your thoughts on these Auburn receivers. Yeah, so for me, um, I just thought Williams really turned me off with I, – I didn't like his effort level at all this year. I thought he was coasting, going through the motions. Um, love the ball skills. Love the size. Love the potential. I just wanted him to play like he like he loved it a little bit more this year. It, it was really something – and it's not just this year. It's been in other years as well. I don't see the urgency – from Seth Williams, and that, that's a big concern um, for me. And I'm going to bring up another receiver here in a second that, that I have some similar concerns about. But I think Seth Williams has great ball skills. But once you get outside of that, I don't see the consistency of the other features as often as I would like. So I've, you know, I push him back a little further. Schwartz is the one that really is curious to me. Um, six touchdown catches and 117 catch total catches. That's great, like you said, for having elite. human speed and that just tracks by me ridiculous speed and the ability to change defenses and what they will do and his burst from route stems and you know what he's able to do with the ball in his hands you would think he'd have at least 16 and he's got six um his instincts as a pass catcher are not good um his hands are very very shaky but i get the feeling that he could be on the next level I think if the right team gets him, I think he's going to have some some strikeouts with the drops and things like that. I still think he has some home run potential. And I I think he is going to be kind of a bargain version of a of a Will Fuller type who's got the ability to get down the field and really threaten safeties. You could stick him wide. You know, they try to do a lot of gadget and quick game stuff with him. You could stick him out right against the boundary, basically and say, we are going to really spread this defense out, and, and and you can really push him vertically and force safeties into shading that direction of the field and open up your running game and open up throws underneath. So I think there's value with Anthony Schwartz. With, you know, with, with Seth Williams, I see another big receiver who has some talent who I don't think is invested enough in being a competitive wide receiver uh, on a on – a, Play in, play out basis. That's that's what concerns me. The guy for me, Dane, at that same position is is Terrace Marshall. You know, I I see that everyone loves him, and and he was really electric with a bunch of other really good wide receivers and with Joe Burrow. I thought this year he didn't finish routes. Um, he was another guy this year that looked bored to me, and I understand that after being on a team like last year. You know, there, there's some of that which which is understandable. And unlike Schwartz, I see what I think is a projectable player because I think that once he gets to the next level, he's got certain traits that I think are going to work on the next level. But for me, I don't see a first-round wide receiver, and I've got a, a 6'3 on him, which is a second round. He's going to become a future starter. But it's it's more of a second round pick. I it's just he's a little up and down for me, and I I struggle with the big projection on him like some other people have. Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, and you know there were I know he turned off a lot of scouts when he opted out uh, the days before the Alabama game. You know, like it's opting out is one thing, but just the. The optics of it, doing it right before, uh, you know, an opponent like Alabama, that just that did not sit well with scouts, and I think that speaks to kind of what you're saying. And there were, I mean, for a guy that's that big and that that at that size, that length, I expected to see a pretty good blocker, and he has some abysmal 
blocking reps oh, on tape. Doesn't even I mean, try. No, and it's 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 embarrassing. It's that's you know, effort I, I, though. That's the dog it, right. I want to see. Exactly, exactly, and I I think that's something that is definitely a concern. As a prospect, as a talent, I mean, there's I, I saw flashes of like a Cortland Sutton, you know, like a just a guy that the, the size, speed is really impressive. Needs to needs to really hone in on the mechanics, the route mechanics, the urgency to unlock everything. But the talent, just the raw talent, is there. So yeah, I, I think that that makes a lot of sense. Another guy for me that I struggle with is Davion Nixon, defensive tackle yeah, out of same. Iowa. I mean, he is, you know, he's got a little bit of a backstory. He, you know, didn't have the grades to qualify and, you know, goes to JUCO and, uh, you know, then Alabama and some other teams got in on it, but he stayed loyal to Iowa. Um, redshirted in 2018, then 2019 was, uh, you know, a backup rotational player and becomes a starter this past year and just blows up. I mean, unanimous All-American. He got some Heisman votes. Uh, that interception return against Penn State was phenomenal. Uh, just a lot of fun. But just from a snap-in, snap-out basis, uh, you know, he's just a hard guy to love. Easy guy to like, hard guy to love. You expected him to maybe, you know, get off blocks a little bit quicker for, uh, you know, a guy with that type of power. Uh, he sacrifices his balance way too much. Uh, his pass rush tends to stall out. Um, I, I, I like him. You know, there's plenty to like about him in, in terms of uh, his talent. But he's got single-digit uh, career starts uh, in his career, and he's clearly still maturing uh, on the field, off the field, uh, you know, just with different parts of his game. And, and so he is just a tough guy to get a feel for in terms of where do I feel comfortable drafting a player like this, and ultimately, what do I see a ceiling as at the next level? Yeah, I'm. Uh, you know, I mentioned in my scouting report his sack totals are a little artificially inflated. Uh, but that's not as much of a concern considering his athletic potential as a rusher. He has day two talent and could become an eventual starter. I went and looked at all the sacks, you know. Six of his mm -hmm. ten career sacks came against Northwestern, one <laughs> team. And so five of his seven sacks in 2020 came when a quarterback voided the pocket. I, I went and looked specifically. I wanted to chart it because I noticed, you know, that's a secondary. I, I want to see you get sacks as a – I want to see you get quick wins. I want to see you win with your hands, win with your feet, win with movement. And instead, he won when a quarterback voided the pocket and got a sack. I don't think that's something you can count on year in and year out. And that's what you draft a defense tackle in the first round for is mm -hmm. because they're either really good against a run, which he's not. He just gets neutralized on a block, on a base block because he's not real strong. Like He has to put a lot of effort into neutralizing blocks. He's not a boom, stack, stun, shed type of two gap guy it's not who he is he's a penetrator and and you know and they'll have him in a one gap that's what they'll have him doing but I'm totally with you on that I, I thought his comp is Russ Blacklock in that he's got to play a certain type of football or it can go sour on him and I like Blacklock but I'm actually a little further back on Nixon I'm a 6-2 with Nixon which is is more of a third round grade and I understand there are higher grades but I don't I don't see that kind of Im, high impact player personally I just and then you yeah. throw some character concerns and that you know hurts him a little bit more yeah I, I initially you know based on the flashes I thought okay this is a guy maybe he sneaks into the first round he's a top 50 guy and, and then the more I really dove into more tape and just I don't know I I, I, I struggled with him and I, I think I'm I'm closer to where you are in terms of just where I see him falling in the draft 
you know, this defensive tackle class as a whole is a little little difficult. You know, you got a guy like Christian Barmore who's just so young, still learning, but he's got so much talent. You know, Onzerike from Washington, I, I'm a fan of, but opted out this past year. There's, you know, still things we're trying to figure out about him. Uh, both the USC kids are really talented. I, I'm a big to- uh, Tommy Togiai fan. Um, so just, yeah, sorting out these defensive tackles uh, and where they fit the next level is is an interesting exercise. You know, Aleem McNeil, throw him in there as well. Tyler Shelvin. Yeah, yeah this is a really interesting defensive tackle class where I expect there to be a lot of a lot of differing opinions on uh yeah how exactly they they stack up well here's one for you you know uh Joseph Asai mm. uh, he's not particularly twitchy Mm-mm. but he's long but when I say he's long he's six three so he's like he looks longer than six three he looks six five because he's got long arms and he plays long uh, but he's not a real twitchy get-off guy. You could say the same thing about Greg Rousseau, but Greg Rousseau has elite physical traits. Joseph Asai doesn't have elite physical traits, and it's one of those things where he kept popping into a lot of early mock drafts in the first round, first round, first round, but he's not a first-round talent, and he doesn't mm-hmm. have the first-round twitch. But there is something, you know, he's got some really bad reps against uh, Jenkins from from Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, State, who's a really yeah. talented right tackle, very powerful guy. But there is something about his game where I see – the ability to use his length to kind of sliver to kind of slither around blocks and get to blocks. He he hasn't played the position for very long. So now I've got to try to figure out well, he's not twitchy Mm-mm. and he's not ridiculously long, but he does play with some length as a player and he hasn't played the position for long. So how do I grade the flashes? Like what do I take into account from a flash standpoint? So for me, I've had some problems with figuring out Joseph Asai in the same way I've had, you know, issues with 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 what to do with Joe Tryon and and um, Oway. Yeah, Oway. I, I think this entire edge class, you could almost say that about. But but the problems I have with Gregory Rousseau and and mm. and and uh, Joseph Asai is they're not particularly twitchy. Now, a guy that I liked a lot on tape was Charles Snowden, but he's two hundred and thirty some pounds. Like, were you he's playing? Not, He's he's just not a guy who he's super thin. Mm -hmm. What do you do with a guy who's that thin? Yeah, I don't know that he could play off ball. Like you know, I I, I don't know that he's you know you want him uh, using that length and rushing and getting after the quarterback. But yeah, like you said, the 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 body build isn't there. And and I agree on Osai. I mean, I he's a linear athlete. Uh, There's little, very little fluidity to his game, and that shows in his rush and his redirect. The way he plays, you know, pedal to the metal, uh, foot's always on the gas. I mean, that that's that's a, a a talent, you know, like that's and that equates to production. And so he he is tough because generally, you know, the tryhard guys. That's that's something where you know you're going to take the talent over the tryhard guys every time. But with Osai, I mean, he has some talent, and he also is arguably the best pursuit player in this draft. And so that. That obviously counts for something, and so yeah, that, that that could be tough trying to figure out exactly where to place him, especially when yeah he was more of a, he, he played that B backer position uh, in that in the previous scheme. They moved to more of an edge role this past year, so still learning, still getting better. Um, you know the, the the comparison I use in the past, there, there's flashes of you see like a like a Justin Houston type of a, a player. You know he's not quite on that level, but you see flashes of that with what he can do. So. He, he is really tough. And then another one I'd throw into this mix um, from the edge rusher class is Jalen Phillips. And 
really, I mean, that, and that, that comes down to things that we really can't answer here because the baggage that he carries with him is, it makes him a tough, uh, tough guy to project. Uh, you, you know, talk about the medical history. Uh, you know, UCLA forced him to medically retire. Uh, that's, that's tough. Um, you know, he, he's got other interests off the field. Uh, you know, there's scouts have questioned, uh, where football falls on his priority list, things like that. So, you know, Jalen Phillips is a talented pass rusher, uh, but trying to figure out where, where to project him, especially for those of us on the outside looking in, uh, you know, who don't have, you know, all the access like NFL teams do, uh, with all the resources they do, you know, it, it could be tough to figure out exactly where to slot him, uh, in the pecking order of this pass rush group. Yeah. Trey Sermon for me at running back, um, mm. you and I have talked about this off the air on the air. I mean, the tape just doesn't match up. I, you saw flashes at Oklahoma. You saw, I thought I saw second round flashes at Oklahoma and then I'm like, why did he get, what happened? Did he get in a doghouse? And I dig around on it and it wasn't really a doghouse issue. I mean, he had some, I think he had some issues with fumbles. Um, he just kind of faded out at Oklahoma, even though he had talent. And then he, he gets to Ohio State. I turn the tape on, hate it, hate the tape. And then in, against Northwestern, like, whoa. And then again in the playoffs against, uh, who was it, Clemson? Um, like Northwestern, North, the Big Ten Championship. Well, Northwestern's yeah. the first one you go, wow. And then right. what was it, the next one against uh, Clemson? Like, mm-hmm. holy smokes, what is going on here? And uh, so now I've got to take a look at two of the biggest high leverage games he had. Of course, he was hurting the next one. And I suppose you need to factor that in as well. I don't know. I don't know what to do with – I had flashes, I have two games, and then I have bad tape at Ohio State. So I don't know, you know – I'm I'm not sure how to parse everything and and try to create. I've got him at a six one now, which is just not nearly high enough. It really needs to be a, a lot higher. Six uh, one for you know for the sake of to give you an idea. Um, no, I take it back. I moved him up to a six two zero. A six two zero for me is going to be a th- late third. Mm-hmm. You know, a top one right around the top one hundred mark. Yeah. Uh, now that's that's where I have him. His his tape his tape was not his tape was fifth round. Mm-hmm. Until you get and and what you saw in the postseason is late first, early second round. Yeah, he's big, yeah. he's fast. Um, so I don't know. I struggle with him. I don't know if you still do or not. It, it, it's that Northwestern tape was just so phenomenal, and then he did the same thing against Clemson, and it just if he was feeling himself, <laughs> you know, like he he was in the in the zone, uh, the body balance that he shows, and I think that. What really helps him is his ability to catch the ball out of the backfield. I mean, even I think he's one of the better screen receivers um, or screen pass catchers in this draft. Uh, so there, there's a lot that he offers that I think translates. I have him as my running back six um, behind uh, Najee Harris, ETN, uh, Javante Williams, Gainwell, and then Michael Carter. So he's right there, kind of close with Michael Carter uh, as you know potential top 100 guy. He's but he, he's tough to figure out, especially when you look at the trajectory. Um, you know, with uh, after his sophomore year, I thought, okay, Trey Sermon, he's going to be a big time player at Oklahoma, and then it just never materialized. Uh, you know, he, he had a knee injury and you know some other things, so that, that factors in. But I, I agree, he's tough. Uh, all right, last one I wanted to mention from me uh, are Darius Washington, TCU, um, the the safety. Have you have you done him yet? No, not yet. He's okay. on my list for this week. He's, uh, you know, obviously, uh, Merrig is one of the top safeties in this class, his teammate. 
But, you know, Washington's a fun player. Uh, you know, he plays that, that weak side safety, that boundary safety position. Um, you know, he runs around like crazy, love the range, uh, make some plays. Didn't have as many interceptions this year. I don't know if he had any. Uh, last year he had four or five. Um, he's, he's a solid open field tackler. He's got good chase speed. He runs well in coverage. The thing is, he's, he's just, he's tiny. And, you know, he's, there, there's a, that leads to a lot of almost plays on his tape, you know, whether he was, you know, just within inches of making a tackle or within inches of getting his hands on the football. I, I mean, that, that stuff matters uh, at the NFL level. Every inch matters. And so you try not to get too hung up on the size, uh, but the lack of length that shows up, um, his struggles to play close to the line of scrimmage, that shows up uh, because of his lack of size. He can be too easily pushed around. Uh, I think he's more of a, he might be a nickel only. Um, I don't know that he's going to be a back end safety. He might be a nickel only who, you know, your Nickel Roby Coleman type of players. But uh, in terms of projecting him in the draft, he's a, he's a tough one for me. I'll finish it up with an offensive lineman, Trey Smith from Tennessee. And I think it's because I want him to be something that he's not on tape. I want him to be this this guy who can just dominate and push guys around. And and he definitely flashes. He's been better in the past on tape. He's been a better player. He's dealt with uh, some health concerns. But here's the problem, is that the body control and the balance through contact, it just gets away from him. And he ends up on the ground too much. He ends up getting you know off balance um, when players are able to use their hands effectively and kind of displace his weight and you know punch and pull and things like that to 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 the it's not I don't think it's that his core strength isn't probably pretty good I think it's just that he plays too far forward and 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 he's got elite physical dimensions this is what they want an NFL guard to look like NFL teams they want it to look like Trey Smith and yet and I'm looking at the I mean. His spring verified 6'5", 333 with 34 and a half inch arms. I mean, that's what they wanted to look like. And I just could I, I just can't get there with him. I, I want to push him higher. And I may have him higher than he should be. I, I gave him a six two four, and that's a third round grade. And I don't see, you know, I haven't been on the the, the trace I've wanted to, the Wyatt Davis. I don't see this first-round grade for him or Jalen Mayfield. There's just guys on the offensive line that people keep throwing these high grades at them, and I'm just like, I don't, I don't know, I don't, I don't see it, or I'm struggling with it. Trey is one of those guys where, man, I, I feel like he could eventually get it together, and a big, strong guy like that ends up playing in the NFL. Like that's what my concern is: big, strong guys playing the NFL. He's big, strong, and long. And it would it might just take one or two little mental things where they they tighten up his his muscle memory and all of a sudden he's pushing people around and that's why that's why I struggle with that Dane because I know big strong and long ends up playing in the NFL and you know that there are several teams that are thinking that exact same way which is why I'd be shocked if Trey Smith does not go on day two he'll, he'll know, go it, second round right right I exactly think. somewhere yeah. I, somewhere in day two he is going uh, because yeah there's there's too much there that teams look for and they, you know, they can coach up the rest in their minds. So whether or not that happens or not, you know, time will tell, but teams are going to take that chance. They're going to bet on, um, you know, the size and some of those traits. So, um, all right. It's funny that neither of us mentioned quarterbacks, even though I'm sure that's 
for both of us, kind of some of the more uh, uh, confounding uh, evaluations in this class. But that's why we have Quincy Avery on to help us, uh, you know, weed through that. So uh, appreciate uh, Quincy for joining us. Uh, that'll do it for this week on Prospects of Pros. You can find Lance on Twitter at Lance Zerline. I'm at DP Brugler. As always, please subscribe, rate, comment. We really appreciate it. We'll talk to you next week.